0: And welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Boy Leader to my Kevin Doyle. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, this is something I've wondered for a long time now. I've never really got round to asking you about it. Why do you start every podcast by saying good day? I I
1: figured that I needed something consistent rather than it being different. Uh, like a greeting and I I put too much pressure on myself like in the early days to say something new and fresh
0: so I just went with good day because it's it's a nice way of greeting someone isn't it I thought the reason why was because when we initially started the podcast you kept saying good morning or good afternoon and I had to keep reminding you that when the listener listens back to the podcast they're not necessarily listening to it in the morning or the afternoon and you decided to come up by saying something that makes you sound like a non-playable character in Skyrim.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it's a bit. It's a bit old timey, isn't it? Saying, good day, bit. good day, sir. You could but, have just said hello, maybe. I, I don't. I don't normally say hello. To, I don't actually. I don't think I ever say hello to people. I always go hi. You all right? It's always hi. You all right? And that's just like that's a, that's a very that. Midlands thing.
0: That yeah, is. but whenever it's not I go a,
1: into the pub, it's constantly
0: hi. You all right? Yeah,
1: but I don't ever say hi or hello. It's always hi, you're all right. Hi, how you doing? I can't really agree. I can't really. I can't be. I can't be the first thing I say on the podcast. You go, and it's, it's Justin you Peach. Okay, hi, you're all right. Is, uh, hello, on, Ryan. Do, you're all right?
0: Do the do the uh, do the intro now. Just uh, <laughs> hello and welcome to the Second Tier podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Levoy Leader to my Kevin Doyle. It's Justin Peach. Hi, you're all right. Hi, Ryan. You're all right. That'd be fine. Uh, hi- no, no, I, I'll stick with good day, thank you. It's I It's mean, served, served me this well. It is kind of like your thing now, isn't it? Saying <laughs> good day at the start of the podcast. The only person in that, considering there are probably about a million podcasts, you're probably the only person who starts every podcast by saying good day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I like to be unique, I like to be different, I'm a bit of a hipster, I've got a moustache, I'll say good day. I don't actually say it outside of the podcast, so
0: it's an exclusive as well. I would love it if you did say it outside the podcast, because I would love to see the reactions you get on the from, from people. <laughs> Welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. So in this episode, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be going through all of the teams in the championship and picking a key player for each side. Me and Justin have each picked a key player. In this episode, we're going through the first half of the championship alphabetically, so Birmingham to Millwall in this case and then on Sunday you'll be getting part two of this where we'll be going through uh, all the teams in the championship from whoever's after Millwall to (laughs) West Brom Um, I really should have written that down shouldn't I Uh, but there you go so in this we'll go through the key players for each championship side whether it's a key player who we think is going to really take the ball by the horns this season and make this their season or someone we just think is going to be so pivotal to their team's chances of success in the championship this season, and um, just in anything you want to say before we get underway. No, I think you've nailed it. I've got nothing. I actually got nothing really to add. It's it's a case of uh,
1: players who we think are going to be sort of stars for the stars for the season under whatever circumstances. There'll be teams that aren't going to be spending big this summer, so they're going to have to promote some young players. The players that have, have recruited shrewd, shrewdly, so they're going to come in and, and be and be top players in, in our opinion. So yeah, nothing else to add. It's. So it's all a matter of opinion. In that case, Justin, who have you got for our first team, Birmingham City? I've gone with Christian Bielik, maybe a bit of a home run, but given their recruitment, there might be a couple of other ideas in terms of players coming in and being yeah being a pivotal member of the of the team. But for me, Bielik's one of the top-performing midfielders in the division when he gets going, or probably one of the best on a technical level and a, a defensive mindset. Again, he's 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 in a top five as long as he stays off those those injuries, um, and he's and he's certainly more than a defensive unit in the midfield with uh, and last season with Hanna, Hannibal and, and Teeth Chong providing a lot of the the guile for um, for Birmingham. I think Bielik's going to step up this season, especially with those two players not not in the team. I've seen Bielik do a lot more at Derby with the ball, and considering last season, I think he was more of a defensive unit for for Johnny side. I think we're gonna see him grow as as Eustace tries to evolve the style of football a little bit. Um, in terms of keeping defensive side the defensive side of things tight, Bielik will still be important. But I think if Eustace is gonna to want to play more progressively Bielek's going to get a lot more of the ball. He's going to showcase what he can do. He was one of the top-performing midfielders in the Championship last season for blocks, clearances and aerials. And as well as that, he's very good at picking the ball up and driving into into good areas and and, and um, laying the ball off to, to, to other teammates. So for me, as a, as a CDM, Bielek's got the whole package and I think Birmingham are very fortunate to, to have picked him up for such a, sh- a small fee this summer because I really do think if... Um, well there should have been more clubs in for him. It should have been a, it should have been a fire, uh, not a fire Say so an auction for Bielik this summer because of his availability. But it wasn't and Birmingham got very lucky in getting him in.
0: Yeah. I highly rate Christian Bielik. I think he's a marvellous player if you will just in a Rolls-Royce midfielder, mm. I think. Mm. As far as that saying goes. I think Christian Bielik is the kind of player who matches it the most just because ball willing ability is arguably the best in the championship, but he can also play, can't he? Top mm. top player. Um Well, Birmingham's business has certainly been the most eye-catching of the summer so far out of all the championship clubs. I think we can agree on that, Justin. But I think someone who could grab the headlines for them next season is someone who's already at the club. I've gone for 19-year-old George Hall, Christian Bielik's possible midfield partner next season. He's a really exciting young talent who played 30 games last season, around half of them off the bench. But he could get the chance this season to be a regular starter. I think that's particularly the case with the departure of Tariff Chung. Birmingham needs someone else now to do what he did. And I reckon he can fill those shoes. He's great at running at defenders, getting forwards, carrying the ball from you know his own half into the opposition third. He's also really happy to do the dirty work as well and is quite a big stocky lad for someone who's only just turned 19. But I think he could be one of the breakout stars of the season. He's already highly rated at the club, has attracted interest previously from the likes of Liverpool. This could be the chance for him to show us what he's all about because I've been really impressed with what I've seen from him so far. And now he's getting to the stage where he may get a chance this season to really flourish as a player.
1: Well, I think interestingly... Birmingham have been on a rec- recruitment drive this summer, haven't they? Um, and they haven't been linked with other central midfielders despite Hannibal going back to Man United. And that might be a case of usage saying, I'm actually... Pretty well stocked in this area. I'm going to utilise George Hall going going forward for the season, so that might be a good indication of, of Eustace bringing him in his team. And I think another interesting point is Leeds were another side that were heavily linked with Hall. Um, so if there's an indication of Hall potentially leaving this summer, Leeds coming down from the championship probably reduce those chances massively. Um, so yeah, I think I think Hall's a good shout and one that I didn't actually consider. But at 19, he's probably going to make to look to
0: look to make the step up this uh, this summer. Yeah, if he's going to, then this season would be the season to do it, I suppose, wouldn't it? Let's go to Blackburn Rovers. My key player for them next season is Arna Sigurdsson. Now, he is one of the more interesting new additions to the Championship this season. Once upon a time, CSKA Moscow signed him for €4 million, was scoring for them in the Champions League against the likes of Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. Hasn't really pulled up many trees much in Russia After a while, and that saw him go on loan to Venezia in Italy. They got relegated from Serie A and Sigurdsson was struggling to get into the team. Then he went on loan to the Swedish League, where he was scoring quite a few goals. But it's the Swedish League isn't the greatest of standards. So how much does that actually mean? Who really knows? So the range of how good is he seems quite broad and it's quite hard to nail down how good a player Blackburn are actually getting next season. Whatever the case, Blackburn could really do with him being brilliant. He could play as a number 10, as a striker, or on either wing. Blackburn need to be better last season than they were going forwards because they weren't creating many chances. And with the departure of Ben Brereton-Diaz, they could do with Sigurdsson filling the gap. He left behind in terms of goals, but then also contributing in terms of creativity as well. So there's quite a bit of pressure on him to do basically everything can he do it I'm not sure um I'm not sure so I, I think we I think at the moment we've just got to hold a horses on him being you know anything special but considering the other incomings at Blackburn maybe he's the one that they're looking to to be everything going forwards really so essentially
1: your line of thinking is he's gonna be the
0: focal point in the final third now pretty much basically I think he's got to be and mm. if he doesn't end up being that focal point, then Blackburn might be struggling a bit going forwards. Well, I think what's telling is their re- recruitment. There
1: have been rumours of the budget being cut by 20%. We know that they haven't been as open in the market as, as they have been. So Sigurdsson is probably a relatively low-cost addition to that and it probably lines into my my line of thinking in terms of who I've picked I've gone with Adam Wharton um, now Adam Wharton was was really impressive uh, last season despite only making 18 appearances but he was a player that looked very comfortable in that backburn field especially when he when he got the game time made 12 starts so I think he's going to certainly make the step up this season but bringing into that line of thinking for considering the cut in the budget potential for lack of transfer activity and the need to strengthen other areas I think midfield's going to be left alone and I think Thomason's going to give Adam Wharton the opportunity to really thrive we saw Tyler Wharton do really well last season especially from a deep-lying playmaker point of view transitioning the ball through the thirds Morton did a really good job and I think Wharton has a similar style of play Um, and obviously we know that Thomason likes to play that patient possession style of play can be boring at times but can be effective Wharton's it's 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 really going to allow Wharton to thrive on the ball. And stats-wise, he's impressed. He's comfortable at receiving the ball in those areas that you don't want to receive the ball. You're back to goal. You're facing your own goal. He's comfortable doing that, and he's comfortable progressing the play. And defensively, he is impressive as well. Average 2.64 tackles per 90, 1.62 blocks, and 1.28 interceptions, which for me, as an all-rounded sort of deep-lying playmaker, there's some really handy stats to have uh, in your armoury. And as I say, he's going to get given the opportunity to thrive next season, given the lack of transfer activity. He has been in with a move away, Justin. I'm, I well, there is that thought because I know there's a report in the Daily Mirror suggesting that um, there'll be a fire sale, but they've been there've been question marks about the validity of the report, and you'd expect Wharton to be at the top of that list as a, for a sale. Um, but for me, I think if Blackburn are going to have any success next season and not have to go out and sign uh, sign to one of this quality, um, I think it's I think they're going to probably hold on to him for for this year. And at least if the, if he does leave, I think it would be a leave and come back on loan sort of deal. Because again, at this stage in the season, getting a player of his quality and importance, I think it's going to be a difficult thing to do.
0: Yeah, it, uh, he's definitely a really, really talented boy. I can agree with you on that. Bristol City is our next club. I've gone for Jason Knight. I really like the signing of Knight from Derby. I think they've managed to get him for a bargain, really, at one point seven five million. One hundred and eighty six games played, including twenty island caps. Pretty impressive career so far for someone who's only twenty two. But he was one of Derby's most important players, despite being so young. Primarily a centre mid, but he can play on the wing or right back, or right wing back for that matter. I'm not sure there'll be many players who run as much as him in the Championship next season. He's got lungs like a horse, but he also loves a tackle, good with the ball too, particularly running at defenders. He's definitely one who will get better and better, but Bristol City could do with him Doing a job this season, and I think he will their midfield options last season included Matty James and Andy King who aren't getting any younger. You've got Joe Williams as well, but I think he's a bit different tonight, whatever the case, I think Bristol City fans are going to love him because he leaves everything out on the pitch every game, and that's a very good way of um you know getting to the getting to the heart of Bristol City fans into.
1: It's the heart of getting into any any football sport. If you run around and really do leave it on the pitch, it's gonna it's gonna really uh, yeah excite the crowd and and leave them pleased. For me, though, I think the, the issue not the issues with Jason Knight. I think Jason Knight's a quality player. It depends how Nigel Pearson is going to set up his team. If he's going to play a deep uh, a deep defence like he has done in the past and it'd be relatively disciplined, there's not going to be a lot of pressing. There's not going to be a lot of front football football. I think that's gonna leave players like Jason Knight, Ross McCrory, Joe Williams, good poor winner. It's gonna leave them a little bit wasted, I think, in that midfield. Not wasted, but certainly their their strengths lie in, in how actively they, they, they can press. So for me, there might be other players in the mix of why I've chosen another player, but there's that deal of scepticism it depends on how Nigel Pearson sets his side up.
0: Yeah. I I am a bit interested to see how Bristol City do set up next season because Ross McCrory, Jason Knight, two high energy midfielders but both can play at right wing back hmm. and I wonder if maybe one of them maybe has to fill in at right wing back for the whole season wouldn't surprise me actually if Knight is basically the replacement for Alex Scott I know they're quite different players but I'm not really sure which other midfielder is going to be filling that number 10 role unless Andy Viman fills that gap again but yeah interesting to see who you got Justin Got me with Tommy
1: Conway, it was a breakout season for Conway last season, even with his hamstring injury. But nine goals in 34 games, he's an impressive return for a 19 20 year old playing their first full season in Championship football. Scored the fifth most for an under 22 year old. Now, that doesn't sound impressive, but the other three were Premier League low knees, and the other player was Joao Pedro, who's just been signed for 25 million. So now I'll tell me that's not too impressive. Um, I think. It seems like Bristol City are focused on other areas in terms of recruitment. The striking department, I think, still looks a little bit light. You've got Sam Bell, Tommy Conway, Andy Vyman, Naki Wells. Four players who are at the opposite ends of their careers, Andy Vyman, Naki Wells. In the twilight years, Tommy Conway, Sam Bell just starting out. So they are lacking that prime striker. But despite the inexperience of Conway and Bell, I do think it's still looking healthy. Conway showed last season he's a very good finisher. Um, And considering Bristol City averaged uh, 1.29 actually uh, per 90 last season, they don't create too many chances. It just highlights how clinical Tommy Conway was and how good he was at getting into good areas. And now if you've got a high energy midfield behind you, it's only going to drive the team forward and put you into those dangerous areas more often. So again, if if Nigel Pearson is looking to be a little bit braver and push his team forward a little bit more, I think Tomé can get a lot more goals. Again, nine goals in 34 games is a really good return for teenager especially in your first full season and dealing with a fairly serious hamstring injury at the time so hats off to Conway and I think if uh, I don't think Bristol City are looking to recruit a striker at least not one in their
0: their prime years because one they're expensive and two they've got Tommy Conway coming through yeah I really rate Tommy Conway I would have said him Justin if you hadn't nicked him from him already (laughs) I think he could be a bit of a dark horse maybe for top goal scorer next season because I, I, I liked a lot of what I saw of him last season and I think it's only the start for him. If if he's only going to get better and better, considering he's so young, then he could score quite a few next season. Next up in our list, Justin, is Cardiff City. I have gone for the new boy, Colin Grant. I think this is a really good signing for Cardiff and could be the answer to their problems from last season. They were the second lowest scorers in the division and their top scorer for the season ended up being Sorry Kaba, who was only there for a few months after joining on the final day of the January window. So Cardiff need goals. That's fairly obvious. And Carlin Grant is a really good signing to try and remedy that. I wouldn't say he's guaranteed to get the goals. He's coming off the back of a really poor season with West Brom, where not only did the goals dry up, but his performances were pretty bad. However, he's got a great goal-scoring record at this level prior to last season. If they get him back to that, Carlin Grant, Cardiff are onto a winner. I think it helps that he's got Callum Robinson there too, who he struck up a great partnership with at West Brom. So, A really good signing. In my book, his versatility is a big plus as well, can play as a lone striker or on the wing. His performances this season, for me, will be more important to Cardiff than any other player, including Aaron Ramsey. Cardiff need him to be firing, otherwise goals could be an issue once again, which is why he will be so key. Completely agree. Goals were the issue for Cardiff last season. That's why
1: they were down where they were in the table. That's why they ran their luck in terms of dicing with relegation last season. Not only I mean, having three managers throughout the course of the campaign didn't help either, but if we're talking about the need for goals, Colin Grant, with a point to prove, he's shown that he can score goals in double figures. He's going to come in. I think key to that is Callum Robinson, who's the player that I've picked. It was, it was quite an easy one with Cardiff, especially with those two in. And, and maybe even Yaku Meite, is that that front three is looking dangerous. I like the idea of a 4-2-3-1 with, with Keanu Tete in that number nine role and then those three behind him because there's so much potential for a, a lot of fun, I think, in in that final third. But I think key to that that those fun times, I think, is going to be Callum Robinson who's going to be able to link up the play. Like Grant, he's versatile. He can play across the front three. He can play as a false nine. And he's such a fluid player, and his link-up play with others—he's such a smart player as well. His link-up play with others is the, is is the key variable here. His relationship that he's developed with Karl and Grant has been huge for West Brom in previous seasons. Eleven goal contributions in 22 appearances last season is a really good return when you look at it as plainly as that. And then when you've got the likes of Yaku Mate, who's got the ability to hit double-figure goals, Carlin Grant hit double-figure goals, and Kinateti coming through, yeah. I think Robinson is going to have a lot of fun next season. There's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of assists from him. I, again, talking about you know, top goal scorers, I think Callum Robinson is a shoe in for maybe top assists next season.
0: Top assists, interesting. Um, let's go to the next club. That is Coventry City. Who have you got, Justin? I've got him with Gus, Gus Harmer.
1: Now, I know there'll be a lot of question marks regarding his future. I know Burnley have been linked with him as well. But I'm confident he's going to stay stay at coventry and i wouldn't rule him out uh, signing out uh, signing a new deal to be honest um he's loved at coventry he loved coventry and i just i just can't see him leaving especially at this stage of the season um and again if we're talking about his all-round game for me he's the best all-round midfielder in the league no question absolutely no question at all he can do everything his passing his switches of play his ability to make the right runs at the right time his ability to score goals his ability to score goals from distance literally the whole package he's he's creative he's a goal scorer he's a tackler he's the Hamer badger we know what he can bring and i think with victor gyokeres now gone and gyokeres made chances on his own he he dragged coventry up the pitch on his own at times there's going to be a need to be there's going to need to be a mindset change i think hamer is going to be at the centre of that you know Ellis sims holding the ball up hamer coming in uh, hamer coming in from deep I just, I just can't see anything other than good times with Gus Hamer in, in midfield. He's such a good midfielder. And I think he's, even if he does get sold, he's worth every penny. But I'm confident he stays at Coventry and I'm confident he signs a new deal.
0: surprised that you're confident he's going to stay, Justin. It seems more likely than not that he's going to leave at this stage. We're
1: two weeks, two, three weeks away from the season. I, I just don't think Mark Robbins and Doug King, especially with their ambition signing Sims for the amount of money they have, It doesn't make sense to sell their best player two weeks, two, three weeks before the season, especially with no replacement in mind. They might have a replacement in mind, but we've not seen any speculation since or yet with that. And they do need to add bodies into midfield as well. So, yeah, I'm very confident you will stay, mainly because not only the ambition side of things, but also the lack of numbers they've got in midfield. I'm
0: not sure where this confidence has come from, but fair enough. Um, I've gone for a fairly obvious one as my key player. I've gone for Ellis Sims. Coventry have lost a lot of goals with Victor Jokeres' departure. Ellis Sims needs to pick up where he left off, and I'm confident he will. I was really impressed with him on loan at Sunderland last season. He did suffer a bit with injuries when he did play, though. He caught the eye, it's got to be said. Even when he was at playing for Everton in the Premier League, he didn't look out of place, despite being a fairly young lad. So, I fancy him to score at least 15 goals next season, possibly even 20. It needs to try and help out with the other things Jokeres offered to the team as well. Things like holding up the ball, running with it, setting up teammates. They were all reasons why it was going to be such a big blow when Jokeres inevitably departed. In Sims, I think Coventry have got the realistic or the best realistic replacement they could have got. I think it's a big statement of intent by Coventry as well by getting him in let's see if he repays the faith they've put in him because you know Coventry don't go out there and spend a lot of money on players really do they so Mm. the fact that they've gone out and decided they're going to do it with Ellis Sims says a lot about how much they rate him and now he needs to try and repay them doesn't he?
1: Right exactly it's a it's a faith thing but We've seen what quality he can bring to a team in terms of how how effective he was at Sunderland, and there was a large queue for his signature this summer. So I think that only goes to show just how well, just just how um, competitive it was to bring him in, and how sought after he was. And that's a very good indicator of how good he's, or how how good his quality is. So I think Coventry fans can be very excited as to as to what he will bring. He just needs service. Give him service, and I think one of those players are going to be sent to that service is uh, is Gus
0: Hamer. Yeah, if he's there, um, who have you got for our next club, Justin, which is Huddersfield?
1: Yeah, it's been a quite summer for Huddersfield, hasn't it, uh, so far? But for me, <laughs> say that again. <laughs> <laughs> even with Neil Warnock in charge, it's been a quite summer. But for me, I think even if they do sign a new squad, um, the, the the most important player is going to be Matty Pearson. We saw how vastly improved Huddersfield became once Matty Pearson went in his team and he's going to be it feels like he's going to be one of those trusted lieutenants from a Neil Warnock side just you know what you're going to get from these the the, the leadership the aerial ability the um just ability to put themselves in front of things um it you, it's very hard to get those types of defenders and Pearson brought that in abundance i'm sure there are a lot of bumps along the way and some losses in february march but he came into the team sort of end of feb uh, end of end of jan start of feb and did his job with ease and the team looked look more confident defensively in doing so, especially because of how deep they were sitting in 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 in, in, well, in several games. He was one of the top performers as well when he came in terms of clearances and headers. And once in the team, he's going to be key to, to Warnock steering Huddersfield through this transitional season. Also contributed to, to five goals, five really important goals, which, I mean, again, in a Neil Warnock side, there's going to be a lot of uh, heavy reliance on set pieces. So Pearson's going to be, going to be centred to that again. So, yeah. As I say, Warnock's going to be Warnock's going to need players like Pearson to manage Huddersfield through this transitional season.
0: He's, he's going to be important. Yeah, well, he was marvellous last season, Monty, especially with the goals that he was uh, scoring at the other end. So crucial at both ends of the pitch was Matty Pearson. My key player for Huddersfield next season is Josh Cromer. He was one of those whose game was transformed when Neil Warnock came in. Prior to that, he'd had a quiet couple of seasons with Huddersfield and even had to drop down to League One when he went on loan to Portsmouth and didn't pull up trees there either. Went back to Huddersfield and all of a sudden, he just sprung to life. It says a lot about Neil Warnock's man management, doesn't it, I suppose? Because Caroma's career had really stalled up until that point. He had a good two or three years, um, or a good season two or three years ago, I should say. So we knew that player was in there. It takes a special manager to get it out of him. And that's what Warnock is. Looking ahead to this season, Huddersfield need Karoma to be that player again. They need that form to continue into this season. Only Cardiff had scored fewer goals than them until Warnock came in. Karoma would help with not just scoring, but creating more. He's got loads of energy. He's very direct. He could be one to add to that long list of players who have flourished under Neil Warnock. And hopefully we keep seeing that player um from the end of last season because considering the lack of business Huddersfield have done so far this summer um, they're going to be relying heavily on the players who did them so well saving them from relegation last season and Karoma was certainly one of them Justin let's take a quick break after that we'll go through the rest of the teams in uh, the first part of us going through all the teams in the championship and picking a key player Welcome back to the second tier podcast. So we're going through each championship side of picking a key player for each team. So we've just done Birmingham to Huddersfield. Now it's time for us to do Hull to Millwall. And without further ado, Justin, who have you got for Hull City?
1: I don't know about you, but I find it hard picking out a Hull player. It seems like there's certainly a lot of quality in it, but I'm just not sure who's going to be a standout, a standout individual. I've I picked out Regan Slater. Um, mainly because I think he's going to be the driving force in that Rossini midfield now Jean-Michel Serri for example I think will play an important role especially under a senior in that possession style but Slater for me a lot of the time last season he was driving the team forward and I think if he's, if he's going to be given a, a specific role in the team as opposed to playing in a variety of those like he played in centre mid he played as a defensive mid he played as a number 10 he played on wide left he played in, in you know several positions in that midfield fulfilling several roles Um, but for me he keeps the play simple he makes impressive runs which in a possession style of play is really important because you've got to give those in possession the variety the space for others to to come in and I don't think you it's, it's very difficult to really go it's not the person who's picking out the runs with the ball passing those passing the ball into those players, paying those runs, that's important. It's a player making the runs for others, getting into space that I think is going to be important. Um, and that for me is Regan Slater. I know that's a really janky way of explaining it, but his ability to drive and make space for his teammates is what I'm saying. is really impressive. It was his first full season at Championship level last season. And I expect him to to once again push on. Supporters and teammates recognise his importance and contribution last season. Both of them voted, voted him as their player of the year. Um, and again, I think he's going to have another standout campaign. I think he's not going to have the built, uh, team built around him, but he's going to be one of those players who just who gets seven out of eight, seven or eight out of ten every week, um, and he's going to go under the radar because of his ability to be unselfish for his teammates.
0: Yep, I've gone for Jacob Greaves, who for me is a top-class defender. I'm hoping his game continues to progress at the rate it does, because if so he's going to be one of the best defenders in the division this season. Hall were a mess at the back initially under Shotar Arvaladzi last season, but tightened up so much once Liam Rosinia came in. Fourth best defensive record in the division. In fact... In fact, from the point he was appointed, that is. Um, if Hall do that again next season, they'll only be looking upwards. And could surprise a few people, could Hall? Greaves is going to be really important to their chances of doing that. He missed just two games for Hall last season. Coventry's Callum Doyle was the only defender under the age of 23 to play more minutes than him. His versatility is a big help for Rosinia, being able to play left-back and centre-back. I think he's best at centre-half and I think he will also have more of an influence on Hull games if he plays there. So I'm hoping that happens. Plus, I think Hull are a bit weak at centre-half in terms of their other options. So I'd like to see him play centre-half a bit more. But whatever the case, this will be a big season for Greaves and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him attracting interest from elsewhere as the season goes on just because he is a really, really talented boy.
1: I was going to say you asked me the same question, so I'll ask you the same question. Do you not think Greaves will... Will leave before the end of the transfer window. He has been linked, I think, with a move to Roma, which I thought was bizarre. Has um, he really? I had yeah, not yeah, seen yeah. those links at all, Justin. <laughs> that would. I think it. I think it was. I'm sure it was Roma, but I, I saw those links pop up and it, they raised an eyebrow. But surely, if there's interest in him. Paul might be uh, might be interested in selling.
0: I mean, if a serious bid comes in, it wouldn't surprise me if he were to go. Plus, I I, I know he was linked with a move away. Last season, once I think Middlesbrough were quite interested yeah. in him. I hadn't seen anything really in the in the in the way of serious interest, so that, that's why I went with him. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if he did go because, as I say, he's a really talented player. But hopefully, mm-hmm. he will stay at Hull for next season. Uh, let's go to Ipswich Town, just a new boys in the Championship. Who have you gone for with them?
1: I've gone with Lyft Davis. Now I'm sure there'll be supporters of Ipswich and even. Even uh, listen to the podcast, thinking, "Why have you chosen a left back?" But for me, it's all about delivery, 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 delivery. Last season, Davis contributed to 14 assists. He averaged 3.1 key passes per game, which means he was creating some very good opportunities for his teammates, which is incredible for a for a left back or a wing back. Granted, he took set pieces, but Ipswich was so good from set pieces last season. One of the reasons is is because Davis was so good with and consistent with his deliveries. And as I say, I'm sure others might say other players, but for me, Ipswich have got a lot of quality throughout their team. It is a hard pick, but considering they're heading into the championship, things are going to be tougher for them. Games are going to be tighter. Key to overcoming those tight games sometimes is going to be a really good delivery. And Lee Davis has proven time and time again, he's got the quality and abundance to provide that with his left foot. So for me, and again, wing-backs are going to be so important to that McKenna system. Just for me, I think Lee Davis is going to be really important. He's got George Hurst uh, on a permanent, so there are going to be a lot of times where ball comes into a wide area, you want to deliver early. Just kind of Chaplin making runs in behind. Davis has got the quality to find him. I just think, yeah, Davis, unsung, not an unsung hero, but again, if you're looking at important player for a team, Davis is going to
0: sit in there. Yeah, Lee Davis is a proper player. I wanted to pick him as well, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, his expected assists last season I haven't got them in front of me, but they were really impressive yeah. numbers from a left back. And considering he's still so young, I was quite surprised actually Ipswich managed to get him in the first place on a permanent deal. So he's going to be a really, really important player for Ipswich, without a doubt. I've gone for someone who's also obviously a really important player for Ipswich next season. That's kind of Chaplin. I think it goes without saying, considering what he did with Ipswich last season, I've always liked Connor Chaplin. I think he's a really talented boy and was always too good to be playing League One football in the first place. So I'm not surprised he posted the numbers he did last season. 26 goals, 5 assists from a number 10 is unbelievable. Ipswich are being tipped for big things this season and he'll need to contribute again. ...in the final third. I see no reason why he can't, to be honest. Maybe not the same numbers, but still chipping in with quite a few goals and assists. Scored 11 goals and got four assists with Barnsley a few years ago. And he's an even better player now than he was then, playing in a better team as well. His technical ability is right up there. And when he's full of confidence, he is lethal. And he's definitely full of confidence after his performances last season... I'd like to see Ipswich sign another striker this summer. I think that's an area they could probably do with strengthening. They have brought in George Hurst, but I think they could probably do a bit better than that. If they do, then they need to make sure that it's someone who complements Connor Chaplin, without a doubt, because if you get the best out of him, then you'll be getting the best out of Ipswich Town this coming season. Justin, next up, who have you got for Leeds United? I found, again, another team I found difficult to, to
1: pick, but I've gone with Jack Harrison... Went with Jack Harrison initially, but then looked at his numbers over the last few years, and I thought, oh, Christ, it might not be that good. But I think there's more to Jack Harrison than meets the eye, especially when it comes to grabbing goals and assists. He's really important in a press. He's very, very important in press because I don't like the analogy of lungs like a horse, but he's got some very nifty lungs on him. Big CO2 max on him, I'll say, uh, to be scientifically <laughs> accurate. Um, and I think he will say at leads. I think it will take a substantial bid to prize Harrison away from Ellen Road, especially at this stage, to a lot of players. Um, and I think if he can rediscover the form that we know he's capable of, because last season was okay, but it, it was tough. He only managed five goals and seven assists in a team that were really poor defensively, but actually okay going forwards. And um, and as I say, he's not been overly prolific over the years. That's actually underwhelmed me a little bit. But his energy, his pressing, his relentlessness, I think it's going to be really important to what Daniel Farker wants to bring next season. And I think he can really dominate uh, in the upcoming campaign and grab those important goals and assists. He's got he has got a very good left foot on him, but for me, it's his energy and drive in that final third that's going to really thrive under under Daniel Farker and be the driving force in pushing Leeds up the table. Because again, Patrick Bamford. His fitness record isn't great. Um there's a lot of players I think in that final four. Joe Joe Galhart's a young player, Sam Greenwood's a young player. A lot of uh, lot of question marks. So for Harrison, even despite being in his mid mid twenties, he's the experienced man as well. So yeah, Harrison for me is is the is the one
0: I'm picking out. Again, found it tough. I think it goes without saying, if Jack Harrison does stay at Leeds, he's going to be a really important player for them. Into so you won't get many players who are just better all round mm. than Jack Harrison. And I've gone with Charlie Cresswell. I mean, what a season Charlie Cresswell has just had at Millwall. One of the standout defenders in the championship last season. Incredible for a lad who is only 20 I was so impressed with him last season, particularly in the air. He was bullying players who are much more experienced than him. Now, look, it's, it's been a bit of a strange summer so far for Leeds. A lot of players going out the door and there may still be more to go. It's quite hard to say what Leeds' settled starting eleven will be next season. But we can, with some certainty, put Charlie Questwell, Cresswell down as a starter for them. I think he'll become a massive fan favourite at Leeds. A young lad coming through the academy, fairly local, having grown up in York. And most importantly, he's an absolute warrior. Also worth remembering how awful at the back Leeds have been over the last couple of seasons. He'll go some way to tightening up at the back because if his performances at Millwall last season or anything to go by, then he is a top quality defender, especially for someone so young. Who have we got next up, Justin, it's Leicester City.
1: Yep, yeah, I've gone with Kin and Dewsbury Hall. Uh not least because I interviewed him back in twenty twenty one, which I forget about quite often. Um but he's so much more he's got so much more to his game than just being a box to box midfielder. His ability to pick up and carry the ball through the midfield is is going to be important, especially when you're playing a possession style of football. There's going to be a lot of teams, I think, against Leicester next season, inevitably, who are going to sit back, defend deep. Dewsbury Hall's got the ability to to run and drive with the ball, commit players and create space for others, uh, especially others who have got probably more potent um, passing ability than, than, than Dewsbury Hall. Uh, and again, if you want wanting Mareska to deploy that side of play, you need someone who's comfortable in possession. Dewsbury Hall is that as well. He's got the whole package, I think, but I just don't think we've seen it carefully refined under Brendan Rodgers because he's probably had to play the role of a runner in the midfield for, for Leicester. But I think Maresca is going to refine his game. I really do. And... Um, I mean, although I criticise Maresca, there was a bit of scepticism from me um, in our, in our manager, uh, manager ratings. But what you can say is he's got experience of developing young players, developing players that are coming through, given his time with Man City in the under-21s, etc. So I, I'd expect Duesbury Hall to improve vastly. I think interestingly as well, he averaged three shot creating actions per, per 90 last season, which means he's getting into good areas on the pitch in the final 3rd He's being clinical with his thinking, whether that'll be shooting, laying on a pass for a teammate or taking a foul. So again, it's that, it's that clinical thinking that very it's very hard to develop, but Dewsbury Hall's got it. He's got experience in the championship as well. The to spell at Luton, he was fantastic. So for me, he's going to be so important for Leicester next season.
0: Yeah, I really wanted to pick Dewsbury Hall as my own key player. Justin for again, you nicked him. But I think people are under- underestimating with uh, with Leicester how good some of the players who will be staying around will be next season. I mean, Dewsbury Hall, was he was unbelievable in the Premier League. And mm. yes, they did get relegated, but he still played really, really well. I'm surprised there hasn't been more interest in him. And yes, similar to Leeds, there are a lot of players at Leicester who you're looking at and saying, will they still be there for them next season? Dewsbury Hall looks like he probably will. And I'm not sure there'll be many players who are more technically gifted than him in the Championship next season. So he's going to be such an important player for them and Leicester's chances of going straight back up. Similarly, I've gone for Callum Doyle. I was immensely impressed with Callum Doyle at Coventry last season. No teenager played more minutes than him in the Championship last season. He was like an experienced head at the back for Coventry and you couldn't tell he was just a young lad. It doesn't happen very often, does it? A teenager playing regularly at centre-back, but this is... No ordinary teenage (laughs) centre-half. He was rock-solid, good with the ball at his feet too. This lad has enormous potential and could have an unbelievable season at Leicester. If I could, I would compare it to the impact Taylor Harwood-Bellis had at Burnley last season, of course, both from the Man City Academy. He could take his game to the next level with Enzo Moresca, who I assume knows him quite well, having both worked at Man City. Mm -hmm. So, a very exciting player who I just hope gets plenty of game time because there's a lot of competition at centre-half for Leicester, but if they give him time, then he could prove to be possibly even their signing of the summer. I will add as
1: well that he's his last two seasons, he's got to two playoff finals uh, with Sunderland and Coventry. Yeah. So that tells me that he's, he's got the ability to thrive in those, envir- those high-pressure environments. Uh, You've know, got Coventry, who a lot of pressure on them in the, in the closing stage of the season to solidify their place in the top six. And then Sunderland, we all know the pressure for them to get out of League One. So to do that at 18 and then 19 is incredible. Uh, so I think in terms of mindset, he's got the ability to thrive at Leicester this season.
0: He's got a lot of experience for a teenager, I <laughs> see. Um, Let's go to the next club, Justin. That is Middlesbrough. I've gone for Hayden Hackney. What a season Hayden Hackney had last season. We talk about how much of an impact Michael Carrick had on Tuber Akpom when he came in. The impact he had on Hackney as well is enormous. Mm. Didn't play a game. I didn't play a league game until Chris Wilder um was gone, who Chris Wilder just never seemed to fancy him. And then from the point Wilder got sacked, Hackney only missed one game and became one of Middlesbrough's most important players. So composed with the ball, brilliant at retaining possession, playing progressive passes as well. Recently turned 21, and to be such an intelligent player at his his age is really impressive. He does kind of play like, like Michael Carrick as well, doesn't he? So he's certainly learning from the right manager. And last season was just the start for him. I'm sure of that. He could be one of the best midfielders in the division and have a lot of people talking about him. I mean, I, I'm guessing there's quite a bit of chat about him already, but mm. even more so than there is now, especially considering considering you'd expect Borough to be up there next season. If he's going to be playing just about every game for Borough again next season and he's, you know, the main man in that midfield for Middlesbrough, He could be. he could be... Having an outstanding season ahead of him,
1: yeah, definitely. He's a player that again he probably went under the radar. A lot, I think, a lot of players who um, don't particularly impress in terms of goals and assists, especially from central midfield, tend to tend to fall under the radar. And Hackney's certainly one of them. Really intelligent player, um, really intelligent player. Again, for a, for a young player who's not had a lot of experience at all in the championship, seems to take to it with ease, and I think impressively as well. His physical. Capabilities are there for him. I think that's the important thing: is is how physically able he is, is to play at this level. wouldn't um, I think, when you've got that, it's the technical stuff that then comes comes after. Whereas a lot of young players tend to have to develop, to develop physically first. So Hackney, for me, yeah, is is going to be up there. But I've I've picked his well, who I think is going to be his midfield part midfield partner next season, Dan Barlasser. I coined it as one of the signings of the January window, but it seemed like Barlasser didn't quite settle into things as quickly as I thought he would. Uh, at Middlesbrough last season I think there's a lot more to come from him considering how impressive he was in terms of creative numbers from a deep position for Rotherham I expected him to go into Middlesbrough and do exactly the same that being said there was a bedding in period that just didn't quite get going as quick as we thought it would but I think a summer behind him a summer and a pre-season under Carrick he's going to be he's going to be huge next season as I say one of the most creative players in the division last season most of his key passes were weighted passes into space shall we say rather than playing a lot of the percentages into, into that final third I think Barlas is going to bring a lot more of that in into the team his deliveries his creative creativity from, from deep positions I think again going to be important getting that ball into two Rat palms feet or Riley McGree whoever's whoever's in that final third Barlas has got the ability to find those passes I think he was a player who again Coventry did it. Coventry did a number um, on 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 Minnesbury and cutting those passing lanes into the likes of Apcom and McGree. So Barlasser was was fairly ineffective. He's a player you've got to tactically out out uh, out muster, shall we say, out muscle, um, because if you don't um, if you don't cut those passing lanes, then then he's going to do some harm. So yeah, for me, Dan Barlas is going to be the man next season for Borough. I'm
0: not sure he's even going to play. Justin, is he really? I mean, he didn't play much last season, did he? I mean, it was Housen and Hackney in midfield, Wanted not it? Do you really think? I mean, Housen isn't getting any, any younger, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll give you that. But I, I still think it'll be those two, won't it?
1: No, I, I, I think Barlas is going to step up with, with alongside Hackney, especially given Housen's age. Barlas has got the the capabilities to, to thrive. Again, especially with that pre-season behind him, I just think it was a case of just settling in for him last season. Hmm.
0: I'm not sure about that. Final one then is Millwall. I've gone for Kevin Nisbet, the new signing up from Scotland. Now, Millwall have needed a great striker ever since we started this podcast and they've struggled to find one for quite a while. Tom Bradshaw got 17 last season, which is a really good tally. My issue is with him, I'm not really sure how good he actually is and so I'm not convinced he'll get that tally again or anywhere near that tally if I'm quite honest and also he doesn't really offer a load more than just goals does he now is Kevin Nisbet the striker they've been looking for I'm I'm guessing we'll see this season it seems like quite a similar to striker to Bradshaw from what I've seen but I might be wrong on that he was posting some impressive goal conversion numbers up in Scotland so interesting to see how he does ultimately there's a good chance Zion Fleming leaves before the window closes. So they need a source of another source of goals, whatever the case. Nisbet needs to be just that. Whether he is that or not, only time will tell, I guess.
1: Yeah, I would like the signing of, of Nisbet, um, but not not as a, a as a fixture in in starting eleven. I think he for me I, I like him as a squad option, but if Millwall were going to refine the game a little bit I still wanted to see a number nine who was capable of scoring goals. We've seen the likes of um,
0: oh, I Justin. I agree. My head. I was saying when they when they signed Nisbet, I, I think really they should have looked to sign someone who offers something different to Brad Shaw And from what I from what I can tell, they just seem like very similar players.
1: Well, he's a penalty box striker, isn't he? So it's a case of you know they're not going to be swinging in balls from deep, are they? Like like they have done it in the past. Um, but yeah, Nisbet just doesn't offer a lot outside the box. But it might be a case of switching the the style of play, and making sure balls get in the box. But for me, yeah, uh, there's a deal of scepticism for for Nisbet. I guess if the you know the key to having Nisbet thrive is is having someone like Zian Fleming in the, in that team, which tells me why they're not gonna gives me a reason why they're not gonna sell him this summer. I've picked Zian Fleming if it isn't obvious. Um, and as I say, I think the key to Nisbet's success is is is, you know, is going to be Zian Fleming in in that final third. James Berylsen's statement of wanting to fulfil the task or the ambition of getting into the Premier League tells me that the club is still remaining massively ambitious. Selling your best player just weeks before the season starts doesn't correlate with that statement. So I just don't think Millwall are going to entertain any bids for Zian Fleming this summer unless they're outrageous. And then it's absolutely fine because they get £15-20 million for him. They've got the opportunity to bring in others. For me, Fleming was an easy one to pick. We know why he scores goals. For me, that that role as a second striker, uh, being in uh, behind the right forward, I, I'll say he's got the ability to, to bag a lot of goals. And he hit 15 last season, despite being relatively wasteful. I'll say, took a lot of shots. So I think if he can refine his game, become more clinical, he's got the ability to hit more than 15. His creative numbers are surprisingly low, which is why I think he needs a a forward alongside him who can play his back to goal which I don't think Nisbet is um, but at the end of the day he scores goals Nisbet scores goals so if Millwall are getting balls in around the box those two are going to be dangerous seems a bit harsh calling Zion Fleming wasteful doesn't it Justin well he, he scores goals but he takes a lot of shots is what I'm saying if he can maybe improve that decision making it, it might improve but um, I'm not criticizing him saying he's wasteful and more saying it as a suggestive you, you potential <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm not trying to be critical of him I just think there's there's room for improvement in terms of when he takes his shots on is what I'm saying it took a lot to be a fair lot of shots. It-
0: as far as uh, shooting from distance goes, I'm not sure there's many better in the division than yeah, uh, it's true. than and Fleming was last season. Let's finish off, Justin, with another game of Scott High or Ryan Lowe. This is the game where I'm going to give Justin three questions and four options. All he has to do is rank them in order from highest to lowest. First up, Justin, is this. Rank the players in order of the most career appearances. Richard Dunn. Leighton Baines. John O'Shea. Michael Carrick. John O'Shea played until he was forty.
1: Richard Dunn was injury prone in his later years, but he played a lot of games for Man City. So we had mm. Carrick, Carrick Dunn, Baines, Baines. No and O'Shea Joss. Yes. So I'm going to go with Baines, Dunn, O'Shea, no, yeah, no, Baines Dunn. Oh, Baines, but you're Dunn, Baines Harry, played O'Shea. the most yeah Baines played the most then Richard Dunn then Michael Carrick then John O'Shea because I forget John O'Shea was a utility man for two thirds of his career
0: You have got that so wrong, it's unbelievable. Oh, my God. You very nearly put them in the exact wrong order. (laughs) Michael Carrick was top with 701 appearances. John O'Shea, second, 686. Richard Dunn, 601. Leighton Baines, 578.
1: But I swear Leighton Baines played 40 games (laughs) for 15 years. I, was I, so I, I thought initially
0: that. you were going from lowest to highest. I was like, oh, God, he's nailed this. Um, but it wasn't to be. Um, next up, rank these clubs on who's got the most followers on Twitter. <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday, Cardiff, Birmingham, Middlesbrough.
1: So what is usually the case here is the highest amount of followers correlates with who spent the longest in the Premier League. Because... Mm. Uh, Overseas fans are fickle. Um, So I'm going to go with Birmingham, Cardiff, Borough Wednesday.
0: He's absolutely nailed it, ladies and gentlemen. Right on the money. Birmingham City, top 421,000. Cardiff, 395,000. Middlesbrough, 389,000. Sheffield Wednesday, 372,000. Surely if you're going off the basis that you just said, Justin, Middlesbrough should be higher, shouldn't they? What the, oh, that, is, that is true, but it's when <laughs> it's when Twitter bloomed, which was post two
1: thousand and ten. I should have added that in. So okay. boroughs peak years were obviously
0: in the two thousands. Middlesbrough had they've been in the Premier League more recently than Birmingham have. Yes, but they didn't spend as long in the Premier League. Oh, that's a good point, though. So yeah. yeah. I'm getting the sense that Justin may have seen the list quite recently. Um, <laughs> let's finish off then with this one. The following players have all made their league debuts in the Championship, Justin. Can you rank them on how young they were when they made their debut? Will Hughes, Jonjo Shelby, Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey. So,
1: sorry, how young they were when they made their debuts? Yes. Saw a clip of Aaron Ramsey making his debut. He scored on his debut in the FA Cup, and his haircut is probably one of the worst I've ever seen. Just out of that. It's in useless context, but I had to put it out there. Hughes was 16. Shelby was, what, 17? Bale was 17, and Ramsey must have been 16. So there's going to be days in it. So I'm going to go Ramsey, Hughes, Bale, Shelby.
0: No, completely wrong. Mm. Um, the youngest, John Joe Shelby. Really? 16 years and one month, he was when he uh, made his debut. Next up was Anne Ramsey, 16 years, four months. Will Hughes, 16 years, six months. Gareth Bell, 16 years, nine months.
1: They're all 16.
0: All 16.
1: Also taking their GCSEs.
0: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> they were indeed. Um, you'd have thought, considering Gareth Bell is by far the most talented out of all those players, that he would probably be the earliest, but not in this occasion. Well, it, show. I know well, it depends who you came through at. So
1: obviously, Bale was at Southampton when they just got relegated from the Premier League. Shelby was at Charlton when they were in League One. But Charlton, all of those clubs have a really good record of progressing
0: young players. Mm. Um, I suppose but they've also Charlton were probably the lowest in terms of quality of side at the time when the players came through. I suppose so. Shelby mm. was more viable to get a a chance in the first team want to yeah and they've also they've all had periods of time where they've been absolutely cash strapped so they've had to play the kids that too (laughs) there we go ladies and gentlemen that's been Scott High or Ryan Lowe and this has been the second tier podcast we've been going through each championship side and picking a key player for them in the coming season this has been part one on Sunday you'll get part two where we go through the rest of the teams in the Championship so you've got that to look forward to on Sunday and this has been the Second Tier Podcast I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach and a huge thank you for listening